0: Producer Michael Miracle here, and before we get into today's podcast, I'd like to quickly invite you to join the I Work For Him nation. Being a part of the nation is all about being Jesus in your workplace, because you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. So head to our website, iworkforhim.com, and click on the nation flag, then prayerfully consider joining the nation. We'd love for you to join us in this workplace movement. Thanks again for listening. Here's today's podcast. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian talk radio. Hey, thanks for tuning into I work for him this afternoon as we are live right here on the radio in Tampa, and we are broadcasting on iHeartRadio. Let's talkfake.com. We'll be rebroadcast on Talk America Radio. You can pick up the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or Stitcher. Martha, did I miss anything else?
1: I don't think so. But if they check our website, did you say our website?
0: <laughs> yeah, iWorkForHim.com. You can click on the listen tab. But Sorry, right here, I was
1: very busy posting that it's three months till Christmas.
0: It is three months till Christmas. Woohoo! That's right. And you can listen to us in Tampa Bay on AM 570, AM 910, and FM 102.1. And you can find us on other times on the aisle, on the dial and other ones of their stations. You know, it's it's incredible. But let me just ask you this question, ladies and gentlemen, as you listen today. What was it like... On that day, on the road to Emmaus, the day Jesus walked alongside two believers, he acted like he wasn't aware of all that had gone on in Jerusalem, and he let them tell him. Then Jesus went on to explain what had happened by tying the scriptures to the story. Jesus intersected in their lives, and they felt the movement in their hearts. Has Jesus done this in your life? Have you had any encounters with him that stirred your heart and caused you to reflect deeply? on your relationship with him? Well, Mike Parker joins us today, and he's got some stories to share right from his brand new book called My Emmaus, God is Faithful 24-7. And these stories come from his relationship as a husband, a father, a teacher, a principal, and a pulpit pastor. Mike Parker, welcome to I Work For Him. Hey,
2: it's good to be here, Jim. Thanks
0: a lot. Uh, you know, I'm just so glad you reached out to us, and I'm thankful that you uh, made it. Just, I love it when people reach out and go, hey, I got this book. Not sure if you're really interested. But I love the fact that you just shared your story for real, and, and it was all based on the Scripture. I just love that, you know, that that the, the road to Emmaus, that that was what it was all about. So, Mike, why don't you just start off with talking about, you know, this book, My Emmaus, it is your story. What prompted you to write it?
2: Well, at the time, Jim, uh, it was a little over five years ago, the thought came to my mind, and I was principal of a high school. And during that time, it just laid on my heart that I, I felt like I wanted to write a book or needed to write a book, and I knew it would be called My Emmaus. I knew what at least five of the chapters would be about, but I just kind of put it on the back burner as a thought, and it'd come up real regular, but I just kept putting it on the back burner. And then I retired uh, 14 months ago as a principal, and I went in supplemental insurance business, and then about Christmas time it got really slow. And so I was sitting at uh, the table one morning drinking my coffee. My wife had gone to work as a hygienist two days a week, <laughs> and she said, "Mike,
0: you need to get a job."
2: <laughs> exactly. And uh, so I was left there at the house drinking my coffee, and I and I just kind of said out loud, "I said, Lord, what am I going to do today?" And uh, just as clear as a bell in my heart, it was this, is this, well, today would be a great day to start that book I was after you to write five years ago. And I just repented. I said, Father, I'm sorry. I didn't know that I was disobedient, but uh, I'll do it right now. And uh, I sat down on my computer and wrote the first chapter, which is called, you know, Road to Emmaus. And uh, within a matter of a month or a month and a half, uh, the rest of the book was written too. And contacted EA Books Publishing, and, and they agreed to publish the book, and I'm I'm just real humbled and pleased at uh, how well it t- turned out and how easily uh, the Lord actually, I think, He just wrote it through me.
0: Well, and that's the key. When it's your story, it just it flows from the heart of your relationship with your Heavenly Father. And and that shows when you're reading the story. And I, I wanted people to hear some of the stories. And because of your background, we haven't gotten a lot. Because of when we're on the air, we don't get to talk to a lot of educators because they're still working. And when we're, so when we're on the air in Tampa, we're on the air from 3 to 4 in the afternoon, and most of them are still working between 3 and 4, so we don't get a chance to talk to a lot of educators, not to mention not a lot of administrative people, because they work even later. And so I love the fact that this comes from your heart and your passion for education, but really your heart and your passion for the Lord. So you reference the story, my the story in Luke about a few disciples right after the resurrection of Jesus. What is that story?
2: Well, the story is about the two disciples who... You know, they were on top of the world watching Jesus come into town and the palm branches flowing just like everybody else. And, you know, Jesus was just like a rock star today. I mean, everybody just wanted to touch him, wanted to be around him. And and then uh, whenever things turned, when Jesus was flogged and beaten and pierced and hung on a cross and just then they felt that their world had fallen apart and all the disciples were hiding. And these two guys were very dejected, walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and as they go, they're talking with themselves, you know, about did our, you know, what what's going on? Why are we so dejected? And I can imagine their conversation. And Jesus just shows up. But what they don't realize is he didn't just run up to them and catch up to them on the road. He just materialized out of thin air. And uh,
0: as you referenced he, in your book, it was like a Captain Kirk mo- moment.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like Captain Kirk being beamed up by Scotty, you know, on Star Trek. And uh, so when he arrives on the scene, I, lo- I, I always laugh at this, but Jesus was really cool. I mean, he was kind of like, what are y'all talking about? Have you not heard all about Jesus? No, tell me, you know. <laughs> and uh, so when they tell him, then all of a sudden he, he just starts pouring out of himself all about himself, how he fulfilled all the prophecies. And um, the rest of the book, you know, the rest of the chapter then is how he breaks the bread, and, and in the, the meal, and the blessing of the of the meal, their eyes are opened, and they see it's Jesus. And again, there's a Star Trek moment, and he's gone. And they immediately just realize, beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is resurrected, and they all tell it back to Jerusalem and tell the disciples. And that's kind of where I, I really felt the Lord was wanting this story to be the feature of the chapter one, is that I want to be... The book to be a tremendous encourager for believers but also one that will open eyes of those who don't believe yet and um so that's what they did when they beat it back they testified to it and then jesus himself materialized in the room again that night so they had quite a day uh between the two of them
0: yeah can you imagine i, I can't imagine
2: and that you can learn things about
0: jesus from star trek see i think that that's oh, incredible gene roddenberry had no idea but seriously that was a great thing <laughs> All right. So talk about your career because you started off in education, but you started off in one part of education that ended up in a totally different part of the educational public school system. Talk about how the Lord used, how did you see the Lord come
2: alive
0: and stir in your heart as you were an educator and then an administrator?
2: Well, the first year and a half I was in education, I was an agriculture teacher in uh, Hillsborough County, Florida. So that's my home stomping grounds is where I was born. And uh, that second year, the first You know full year as an educator Uh, i was a special ed slash agriculture teacher and i taught uh, the handicapped uh, how to do nursery landscape and things like that but then i moved to georgia and then i spent the rec the next 28 years uh teaching and being administrator there and those four years i was both an ag teacher and then i became a special ed teacher again for three years and i watched an assistant principal just do his job, full of joy, serving everybody every day. And I went home one day, I told Jan, I said, Jan, I, I want to be like Jerry Sutton. And uh, she goes, well, go for it. So I got my master's degree in one year while teaching full-time and became my assistant principal at Irwin County High School. And uh, did that for five years and continued on up the ladder. But the one thing I was blessed with uh, was that I had godly folks who are my bosses. The superintendent was godly, the assistant superintendent, the principal, Bobby Griffin was a godly man. Uh, and uh, it opened doors for me to learn from the best and to do it uh, in a godly way.
0: So you saw it being lived out as an administrator and you said, that's something I could do. That's that's a way I can be encouraged. I want to do the same thing as an administrator in the future. I, I think that's fabulous. You saw it lived out and said, hmm, that's something I can model as well.
2: Exactly. That's exactly what happened. And all through my career, uh, I've been able to uh, keep my testimony and my my Christian walk. It's cost me a few times, but most of the time, it's just been absolutely outstanding, whether it's uh, providing donuts for the FCA and during club time, allowing them to bring in guest speakers and, and seeing a couple hundred kids come to Christ. Uh, or whether it's learning how to not say, well, I'll be praying for you. But when a teacher stops and she's got tears and you say, well, let's pray now. So people see me stand in the hall and pray for teachers or pray for kids, you know, instead of saying you'll wait. Because what happens usually, I found out when you say you'll pray later, you don't. Right. I've learned the immediacy of praying right then and don't worry about who all is around. Mike, Mm -hmm.
0: did you ever have somebody when you said, hey, well, let's pray right now. Did you ever have anybody say no?
2: I've never had anybody say no. Not one time. It goes consistent. Again,
0: 100 for 100. Every time you ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you about that right now? Never has anybody say no to me. It's amazing. The power of prayer in the workplace. When people are having a rough day, they love prayer. And when they're having a rough time, they want to hear from God. I was inspired by your faith walk as you and Jan tried to have children. How did fasting come into play with you guys having children, and how did God answer your prayers?
2: Well, we had tried for years to have children and couldn't conceive, and um, I just felt felt led to to fast and pray about it, and so I fasted and prayed three days that God would heal us so that we could uh, conceive and and to have children. But wait a minute. um,
0: You you, you get part of the story. Okay, but why did you fast and pray? What was it that led you to fast and to pray?
2: I I fasted because I'd been praying, and um, I I wasn't getting the immediate results, I guess, that I wanted, but uh, I was just impressed. I really believed by the Holy Spirit one day that some things can only come about by prayer and fasting, and it was something He wanted to teach me, so I fasted and prayed, Uh, and what happened is the, the end of the last day of our fast, according to the test that took place seven weeks later, uh, Jen and I conceived, uh, mm-hmm. but the conception was in her tube. And so we ended up taking her to the hospital. And, uh, but I was, the guy, the doctor says, well, I got good news. you one is that you are pregnant. The other one is that it's bad news that it's in the tube. And so they were able to save her tube. And, and, uh, then four months later, we can, we conceived and, uh, bore a child, uh, Jake, who's, uh, now, uh, in master, getting his master's degree and uh then we had another child ben who is also in college as a sophomore at this time
0: okay okay now now you skipped over so many things i mean that are really, really really cool i mean there's really really cool parts of that story so you, obviously on the third day of the fast, that's not the only thing you were doing because you, you said you conceived, you know, seven weeks later, you figured that out. So that was kind of, you know, just kind of people helping. people Just making sure, making sure people understood that whole deal. But when you were at, I can't remember if it was a gas station or a convenience store or something like that, you were getting changed for something. And the lady says, yeah, well, oh, you don't want that dollar bill.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, what happened is that morning, uh, I opened my Bible and it opened to, Isaiah uh, 43, and i have been reading in Psalms, and I thought, well, maybe it's a coincidence, but I read the chapter, and nothing happened until the very end when the Lord says, come to me, state your case, and prove that you're right. And immediately, children came to being. And I, I just got on my knee. I said, Lord, I, please forgive me if I'm too forward, but I'm the husband of one wife. I don't have any children to keep in suggestion. Isn't it time that we had children? And uh, he pressed upon my mind that we would have one or two children by Christmas, and I wrote that down in my prayer diary. I went to school and told uh, Martha Coley that. She was the French teacher, but a prayer partner of mine. And uh, she believed with me. And then Mr. Griffin sent me to the store to get drinks for the teachers. And when I got in there, I went to get the change. And she goes, you don't want your change. I said, yeah, I do. She said, well, you don't want this dollar. I said, yeah, I do. Give me my dollar. And she goes, let me read it to you first. And in real squiggly handwriting, and we still have it today, it's laminated. It says on across the top, like an old woman written it there, you are going to have two kids. And uh, so that was exciting. We did have two kids, uh, Jake and Ben. And um, later on that day was Chapter 3. So it was already a great day. And then when I was going back uh, to the office, uh, I had a man come to me with a folder with a smile on his face and said, Mike, God told me to give this to you. And I said, what is it? He said, it's a foreign exchange student. He's a 16-year-old Muslim boy from a foreign country. And uh, he is supposed to be in your house. And my wife and I just got through talking about couple of weeks before that we wouldn't have any foreign exchange students till we had teenagers and uh, make a long story short that boy lived with us for a year and right before he left he got saved and he's sitting at the Mm -hmm. table with me right now he just happened to be here from Tajikistan after all this time uh he and his wife and his daughter and uh so uh he's there with you right now Yeah, he happens to be here right now.
0: Oh, we should have had that arranged for him to come on the air. That's incredible. And I love the story of Fred that you wrote. I suppose you probably changed his name to protect the innocent. But I love the story of how Fred really impacted your lives and taught you guys how to be parents. But also, as you walked along and led him to listening to the Lord, that was a powerful story.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I tell you, it's a one chapter after another it's a uh, pretty intriguing I'm, I'm 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 just real blessed and fortunate to be able to share those
0: well it's, another day that fred's in i would love to do a whole show with fred i would i mean that would be a phenomenal day we, we don't have time today but man just let him know that the story is moving and that as the as your book gets spread out across the country it will be a great encouragement to people on how to minister to people of muslim faith and just to let the lord do the work mm-hmm. and just be there and available it was fantastic all right, so you and Jan had another lesson on the road to Emmaus about tithing and being debt free. What was that lesson?
2: That lesson was uh, to put God first, and, and we based our whole giving principle on the fact that uh, Abraham five hundred yard five hundred years before Moses was given the law, tithed to Melchizedek, and uh, so as a minimum, we were using that scripture as our standard for giving back to the Lord, and our. Our other standard then was that uh, the young, rich, young ruler, Jesus said, give, give all you have to the poor and come follow me. I, so I think the standard on the other end is it all belongs to him anyway. So somewhere in between, he's going to lead believers to give, and we've chosen to give the tithe off of our gross income and then to support other ministries in offerings, just uh, like uh, Malachi says. But
0: talk about how you got your house, because you got your house, and, something, and God did something incredible with that.
2: Well, what we did is everywhere we stayed, we were able to stay with cheap rent, and uh, so that was just a blessing from God, too. And uh, he laid that on our heart, uh, a certain amount to give for the the home that we were in when I was in Irwin County as assistant principal. And that godly superintendent came to us and said, well, you're just $4,000 short of uh, what the board will take. And uh, we really felt like we needed to stay where we thought the Holy Spirit was telling us to stay. and. Uh, we did, and we didn't purchase it. And uh, then we had the opportunity to, to give to a, a foreign missionary, and it was a considerable amount. But um, our pastor stopped by the house one day with tears in his eyes, and he said, Lord's going to give y'all that house for the exact amount less that y'all gave to the missionary from Haiti. And um, about two weeks later, the superintendent came over and said, Mike, uh, the, the board has decided that they need to get reappraisals on these homes, and but they're not going to sell it for a penny less. I said, okay. And about three weeks later, he, he called me back and said, Mike, uh, here's what the appraisal is. And the appraisal was exact the exact amount that the Holy Spirit had told Jan and I both. And it was the exact amount less of the original price the board agreed to that we had given. Mm. So you cannot out God. Amen. He is going to take care of you. And we got that first house for the exact amount he said he would, and we've been debt-free ever since.
0: And that is no shock to me. And we've heard that story time and time again about why is it we doubt God so often to get the exact numbers right? Yet we do. We struggle with that. All right, I don't want to miss some of these stories. You got another one in there. I, I love this one. Life as a principal or an assistant principal is definitely not an easy one. I was a teacher for one year, just so you know, so I know how difficult the job is, and it was <laughs> I was not fit for the position. One day you got a mouthful from a mama with angry birds in her head, as you described. How did you handle that?
2: Well, she, she came in the door and she slammed it so hard that the popcorn ceiling fell like winter snow all over my desk, and she immediately jumped right in with both feet and talked to me about five minutes using every profane word you could ever imagine and uh, never took a breath. And uh, finally, about halfway through, a piece of spit hit me in the on the lip, and I just about decided to get in the flesh on that one. But I, I didn't. I stayed calm, wiped it off when she rolled her eyes and looked upward. And then finally she quit, and I said, well, ma'am. Um, and then she jumped on me again verbally, and, uh, and then she ended up by saying, that's all right, you're not going to live long. I got some boys that go on take care of you. And when she did that, I don't know where it came from. I don't know where it came from, but it just happened. I told her, I said, ma'am, here's some things that you need to know. Jesus Christ himself gave me this assistant principal's job, and he has anointed me to do this position. And his angels are surrounding me right now to protect me in all my ways. And I don't care who you have that you're going to send, even if it's yourself, but I'll tell you this much, ma'am, the angels are on my side, and God has anointed me for this job I'm not the one that needs to be worried. You are. And she did say another word, slammed my door, went out of school, and I've never seen her again. But the next year, her son, which was the boy that – that was why she was there because he got in trouble. He walked up to me in full military dress uniform, saluted me, and said, Mr. Parker, I really messed up last year and disrespected you. Will you forgive me? And I said, yes, sir, I sure will, son. And uh, he said, thank you. And I said, well, let me pray for you. And I prayed for him that God would protect him. And I've always wondered whatever happened to his mama. But Junior, he's a life changer. He was going to make a difference in his life. And I think think it's because he wasn't able to talk himself out of trouble. Kids need discipline. And when they're disciplined in love, usually they respond to it.
0: As an administrator, as a principal, and and starting out as a teacher, You took that position so seriously and your face so seriously. Mike Parker, thanks for sharing a little bit of your story. Just a little bit. People, you need to get this book, My Emmaus by Mike Parker. Find it out online. Mike, how can they get a copy of your book?
2: Um, They can go to Amazon.com and in the search window, type in My Emmaus. And it'll bring the book up. I can get it uh, through Kindle there, or either print version. And I love the print version because you can take notes. You can That's give it right. to somebody later on who doesn't.
0: But well, what a great, inspiring story that was, Martha. That was so much fun.
1: Yeah, I just can't even believe all of the things that he was able to even share. And I'm, and that wasn't everything. I'm sure. Oh no, sure. lots more stuff but in there. His acknowledgement of what God's done in their life, and their their reliance upon the Holy Spirit. I think is the part that's most inspiring. I
0: think we should have been writing things down all along. That's what I'm thinking. Hmm.
1: You should start that book. We always say that. We do.
0: No, I've I've written some things down, many things down. All right, now we've got in (laughs) studio with us John and Kristen Couch. These guys have a ministry called ThisDayMinistries.org. Now you might remember John Couch was on here, I don't know, four or five months ago, and in the middle of the interview I asked him, so how are you doing at home? How are you doing keeping your marriage a priority? Does your wife really know that she's a priority over your kids? And and I I said, how do you think you're doing? He goes, well, I think I'm doing pretty good. I said, really? Well, let's see what your wife has to say. And I had arranged for Kristen to call in, because for some reason, you gave me your cell phone number before the show started, and you'd never even thought about why I asked for it. And that was great. John and Kristen, welcome to
3: I Work For Him. Thank you. Hey, it's a joy to be here, brother. <laughs> Love Mike Parker. Man, that was phenomenal. You could get him on an interview on your show one day. That's not a bad idea. I got lots of people that we do that.
0: Talk about your radio show.
3: Yeah, yeah. We're we're all about revival. We desperately want revival to come to the American church, brother. Craving it. Craving it. We believe God's going to bring it, and... Uh, you know, we just need people to get in God's word, to be God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-driven, prayer-saturated. That's our heart. We want America to turn back to God. And, you know, it's a it's a scary road, though, in ministry, as you know. It's not an easy <laughs> it's road. It's a messy, scary road. A messy, scary road.
0: Now, now Kristen, when John talks like that, we need revival in the church. And you know, when he, whenever anybody starts talking like that, the enemy goes, mm-hmm. I got my sights set on him. How does that make you feel?
4: Well, I'm used to it. (laughs) I'm used to the crazy man next to me. I'm used to people. um, There are people, we have good friends that are very supportive, but there are a lot of people with arrows at my husband's back because he's all about following what God says in the Bible, and he takes it so seriously, and his preaching is just so God-centered, and about repentance, and that's a word you don't hear a lot in church anymore.
0: Repentance?
4: Exactly. Oh, my
0: God, Yes, and I just was reading a book. I've got a guest on next week, and it talked about discipleship and the fact that, he, and he mentioned right in there, repentance, mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, or you can't get anywhere without repentance. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got such a great radio voice. Your radio voice is way better than my radio voice. Really? Yeah, it's so deep. <laughs> it's that's warm great. and deep. It's warm and Jim. deep. Jim. Yeah. That's right. Jim. Jim's you guys... only a baritone. Yeah, yeah I'm,
3: Jim, and I'm this really an Ivy Tribe All
0: right, so, Kristen, talk about how long have you been married to John.
4: Uh, we've been married a little over 23 years.
0: How long have you known him?
4: 25 years? Yes.
0: How come you looked at him to ask that question? Most of the time, women know right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs>
4: well, you, you asked a creative question,
1: though. You said, How long have they known each other? Mm. She might have been able to say how long they dated or,
4: you know, but there anyway. <laughs> okay.
0: go. Okay. How point, many kids do you have?
4: I, I we try. have four.
0: Four kids. Any of them still at home?
4: Two are at home. We have, well, Caleb and Jacob are 21 and 19 at Liberty University. Right. And Marcus is 15, and Lauren Olivia is 13.
0: How many connections you got at Liberty University? Because we'd really like Liberty University mm-hmm. to be a sponsor on this show. As we go nationwide, they are a fantastic organization, teaching organization. They, I mean, they 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 span the globe. They've got tens of thousands of students. They teach incredible things, and they believe in faith and work. They believe in connecting our faith and our work. It's a great organization.
3: I mean, it really is. I mean, there's no university that's perfect, of course, but. You know, dropping your kids off at LU and knowing that it's that God-centered approach. LU. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the inside. That's when you're <laughs> on the inside, you say LU. When you're on the outside like you, you say Liberty University. Got it.
1: Their Got clothing it. just says LU. Michael, turn his there. turn his microphone
0: <laughs> off with you. All right. Okay, so so let's talk about, uh, okay, ministry. I mean, how long have you hmm. guys been side by side in I mean, you've been in ministry for all your lives, but how long have you been side-by-side in This Day Ministries?
3: You know, This Day of Ministries uh, started about 14 years ago, but really full-time we've been doing this for about a year and a half. Uh, I was bivocational prior, then did some pastoring, was a senior pastor. But then really, again, just the burden on my heart, brother, I can't, I can't even articulate it at times, is just a hunger and a thirst awakening and revival in the american church and Mm -hmm. god just spoke to my heart just um you know use the gifts and abilities that i've given you for my praise for my glory and i'm going to send you out to do that and and it's going to be very very difficult by the way you know jesus said in john 16 33 in this world, you will have trouble. You'll have pressure. It's that word, thalipsis. There'll be a pressing together. What was that word again? Uh, thalipsis. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No more words like yeah, that. Sorry. On our sorry, word sorry for him. Yeah. All right. But, but what's, I mean, I'm so glad Jesus didn't say, you know, period, good luck. <laughs> In this world, you're going to have trouble. End of discussion, good luck. Okay, bye bye. <laughs> no, but be of good cheer because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. And so.
1: And I'll be with you.
3: And I'll be with you. I'll be you there. Know? And I'm going
1: to give you power and you do greater things than me. How many of those exactly. sermons do you ever hear?
3: Exactly. You greater
1: know. things. I'm guessing John's preaching them. I'm still trying to figure out. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> okay, here's so I'm pretty Have you preached sure. that sermon? That <laughs> Jesus said he would in was it uh John 14, 8 or 14 9, he says, uh, you are gonna do greater things mm. than me. Uh, have you ever preached that sermon? I have
3: not preached that when I mean, what that's on it? Sunday.
0: Okay, Sunday go. this week. We okay, okay. because what, what does it mean for mm. us to do that? Okay, mm. so Kristen, you're walking alongside of them and you're raising four kids, which that's a you know more than full-time job. How but when, when he decided 14 years ago to be bivocational, how, did you guys talk through that, pray through that? How did that look at, at, in your house?
4: It was surprising because, I mean, that could probably be another broadcast. But <laughs> when I married John, people had told him he would become a pastor, and he said no. So I was marrying a businessman, not, mm-hmm. not a pastor. So when we went into the ministry, John grew up in the ministry. His dad was a pastor. He knew that life, and I had no clue what was coming. And that's that's okay, we've grown and we've figured it out along the way, but that's part of the reason I think you resisted, isn't it, the ministry? Because of the pain you saw growing up. It is, the you know, when
3: you're on the inside of the church, you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist at a young age to go. I know what I don't want to do. Oh yeah, and that's was that was my approach. And yeah, there was probably a call in my life, I'd say, back in high school to preach, but I resisted, resisted, ran, 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 and disobedient, disobedient, yeah, just being disobedient.
0: So, Kristen, did you grow up in it? Sorry, did you grow up in a in a Christian church or household, or what was your faith walk like?
4: I, I became a Christian as a young child um, and grew up, and continually grew. Had periods where probably it was a little more. Not as intense as it should have been. But going back to what you asked before with John, when I hear him preach, i you cannot argue that this is his calling. So in the midst of all the difficulties that come with being in ministry world, it's there are a lot of joys, too. And to see him doing what he's supposed to be doing, that helps through the tough times and the uncertainties.
0: I wrote my blog today. That comes out on Friday, and the title of the blog was, Ministry is Messy. Mm. Mm-hmm. Because it really is. I mean, and, and people don't really think about it, but, you know, Martha and I have experienced it. And, like, even this morning, it was a little messy. And and I'm just thinking, but we know, Martha, we've seen it so many times where, yes, it's messy. Yes, you get dirty. And sometimes it gets very unpredictable. But yet, after all the years, that Martha and I have had the privilege of serving alongside each other in ministry for 35 years. As 16-year-olds, we started doing ministry together. Mm. I mean, it, it's been worth it, hasn't it?
1: yeah, I think what Kristen just said really hits the nail on the head when you said, when you see the the actually doing what God has called you to do and you're being obedient in that, it's the other stuff you know can diminish and allow it to be, okay, it is what it is because that's what makes us stronger. That's what makes us know that we're being obedient. I talked with somebody else today who is being obedient with something that God has called her to do. And she said, And Satan has been busy, so I know what I'm doing must be what God wants me to be doing. You know, that same conversation, it's like um, just putting one step in front of the other and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this because today in my flesh, it doesn't feel real great.
0: Well, and I think that that's, it's easy to get discouraged when you're in paid pulpit kind of ministry because people are relentless. And I've been one of those relentless people. But, you know, it's—we're not going to get to that today. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but, oh, I was going to say something. What was it? Well, I just was thinking about the fact that um, you were saying that you believe that God wants revival and that people need to get in their word into the Word more. And I can't tell you how many times we've spoken with people where they've said, man, I wish I read my Bible more. Man, I wish I had a better quiet time. Or, man, I wish I— you know, people want, but they don't want it enough to want it, you know, and I don't get that. But, but that's where I think revival needs to come from.
0: Amen. John and Krista Koch from thisdayministries.org. I said, I would ask this question. Now, John, I'm going to let ladies go first because really behind every great man of God, there's always an awesomely incredible, super duper, extraordinary woman Amen. of faith. That's right bar none i've seen it time and time again no guy could ever take credit for it and really i believe god orchestrates that because as much draining as there is in ministry i could never imagine doing it without martha by my side so i'm sure the same is with you and Kristen. so Kristen, as a husband wife team in ministry not only ministry to each other but ministry to your four children but this day ministries.org which has been a ministry going on for 14 years what's been your biggest faith struggle
4: I would say definitely. um, She looked right at John. Well, we talked about this yesterday. Uh, 100% support-raising missionaries is what we are. And so I would say learning to trust that the finances, that God will provide the finances. And it's what you said before. He does time and time again, and yet we're like the children of Israel, doubting, (laughs) even though he continues to provide. But it's um, for someone with my personality who— very much like structure and organization and a game plan. it's It's been a stretch.
0: But you can have structure and organization and a game plan and just let God provide the financing.
4: Yeah. <laughs> Boy, that's, he yeah. makes it sound so simple, right?
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, is ab- it. it is
0: absolutely the toughest thing. It is yes. There's no question. I mean, because with this radio program for four and a half years, the Lord has provided amazingly every day for the programming. It's been incredible. So, John, what about for you? You heard from Kristen's heart, and it's awesome to hear that. Okay, Lord, I, I know that you provided in the past, but it's still struggling with that. What, what is your biggest faith struggle?
3: You know, I think of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And, um, you know, the financial element, of course, is always one that's always looming as you're out there raising that support. You know, it's, um, you know, not everyone's excited about revival. You know we we cause it cause we call it cause awareness in in what we do and um, you know if we are uh, digging wells in Africa which is an important thing to do by the way uh, that breaks a lot of people's hearts but when you are in the center of America where you're pleading for revival and you're pushing for revival and yet not everyone craves and hungers and thirsts for revival uh, that can be a real challenge to get people's hearts to be broken like it is for your own and so. Uh, yeah, I would say the financial element is probably um, is probably one of the biggest struggles for sure, you know. But, but again, in the midst of that, um, God is faithful. His word tells us that he is faithful even when we are faithless. Mm-hmm. And so we truly do walk by faith and not by health report. We walk by faith and not by circumstance. We walk by faith and not by checkbook. We walk by faith and not by sight.
0: And I'm reminded always by that one father who cried out, I believe, help my unbelief. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like saying, I got it. I mean, I bet I don't really have it. Would you just mm-hmm. help me? I mean, because that, that is, I mean, and, and sometimes it's like right now we see God do something amazing, and like 30 minutes later, we're like, oh, but Lord, I'm really uptight about this. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, wait a minute. He just did this. Well, but I'm not, but I, I mean, we go back and forth. I mean, it's crazy. You
3: yeah, know, the flesh is weak, very weak. And, um, like you said, that but how does it get weak
0: so fast? Oh, like
3: I'll thirty you, minutes. It's a. It's for me. As many times, it's thirty seconds, brother. Yeah, just, I was
1: thinking the same okay. thing. I'm like, you know, I was it, trying
3: not to be totally were... transparent about this. You know.
1: <laughs> but you know, I that's I think was exactly what I was thinking when you were sharing that too. Is the fact that um, even when we feel that our faith is strong, our flesh is weak. So we could truly believe that God's going to provide, but in our flesh, we're like, but I know that I know that I know that you know. There's some expense that we need to pay or something like that. And so in our flesh where it's easier to say, I'm struggling with that.
0: One of the greatest things we've gotten out of, we do the Jesus calling day and e- morning and evening devotional together. And we've been doing it for a couple of years. And it just is a great reminder. It says, you know, when you're in those moments to just, just, just say it out loud, I trust you, Lord. That's a great reminder mm-hmm. and, because it kind of, it kind of quells it. and Or when you're really, really freaked out and all you get is the word out, Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just re- as a reminder.
3: It's funny you say that. I just uh, was leading a discipleship group earlier today and, and the springboard verse, which is one that I've been driving around in my car all throughout Tampa Bay the last week and just preaching this verse to myself. It's Psalm 118.6 and it's three parts. And it says this, number one, the Lord is on my side. Now just marinate on that for a minute. The great God of the Bible mm-hmm. is on our side. Mm-hmm. Amen. The second part says this, I will not fear not, not saying I'm not going to have holy awe and reverence. It's saying I'm not going to be scared. Lastly, what can man do to me? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I've been preaching that to myself (laughs) all week long when I'm in that vehicle. And it's amazing when you just even say that, like even right now, I'm saying the Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side. The Lord is on my side. When I even just say that, there's just a stiffening of the spine Mm. as that confidence comes in as we rest in his goodness and his glory and his grace.
0: But we have to deal with Kristen, don't we? What can man do to us? Because women could do this. Okay. As a pastor's wife, um, have you ever been discouraged by other people (laughs) and what they say to you?
4: (laughs) All the time. (laughs) (laughs) But, but it's like what Elizabeth Elliot says. I read Elizabeth Elliot every morning. Don't know what I would do without her and Charles Spurgeon. But, um, she talks about the long obedience and it's getting up and doing the next thing and being faithful in the little things. And you do the next thing that God has for you and you watch him provide. And it's not an, it's not a one-time event. This is a daily event of trust and you just have to be in the word. Otherwise I know I crumble pretty quickly.
3: Amen.
0: It's it is just so true. It is so true. And people can be discouraging. That's the one thing men can do. But it's so easy to rebuff that once you actually have your eye on it. It's like, mm-hmm. OK, wait a minute. No, no, I got this enemy. You're out of here. But it, but it is easy to be discouraged. OK, we're running out of time and I'm not gonna be able to ask all the neat questions I had. We'll have to have another show. Do you ever struggle with those Christ followers who appear to have it so easy with just normal eight to five jobs instead of the messiness of this everyday thing going on at this day ministries?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, again, that flesh is weak. And so, uh, you know, I think that's one of the schemes of the evil one that he gets us looking to other people and their circumstances and just not focused on Christ. Um, God says, look at me, look at me. I'm on your side. I'm on your side. Don't worry about what I've called them to do. It's a whole different assignment. Some people have an easier assignment. Some of us have a more rough assignment, if you will. Uh, our job is just to be faithful as we look at Christ.
0: Kristen, what about you? Do you ever do that comparison thing?
4: Yes, and I think women are very pr- I will say women are prone to that. It's mm-hmm. it's very easy and that's why I I pray to the Lord just that he would keep a few strong Christian women around me and he's blessed me with some good friends that are able to say don't go there. Don't you need to focus on what God has asked you to do to do it. And I think as women we meet, need to be more encouraging to other mm-hmm. women and not do the comparison game but honor other women who they are and what God has asked them to do and Just to encourage. Yes. (laughs) Encouragement's hard to come by these days. Is it it easier
0: when you get older, as you get older? I mean, are the women easier, more focused on encouraging versus comparing as you get older?
1: No, I don't think so. We may mask it. We may not talk about it. There may not be the back and forth, but in our heads,
4: the comparison is still happening, I'm sure.
0: So is that that mean girls thing that even carries into your 40s and your 50s thing?
4: (laughs) Wow. I think it's forever. Unfortunately, it's a battle we fight.
0: (laughs) See with guys as we get older we get much mellower
4: right John Really yeah. <laughs> All right so so
0: re- last question really really quick okay you got four kids two boys at LU Liberty University <laughs> 19 and 21 um so they've been they've been involved in seeing you as a pastor for 14 years how are they doing as you instill your faith in your four children how are they doing
3: They're rock solid. Um, Their hope is built on Jesus Christ and nothing else. Caleb's going to be a senior pastor. Jacob's looking to be a missionary in the world of sports journalism. Marcus leads worship and Lauren sings in the church. So praise God they're not jaded. Nice. Praise God. Kristen, any last comments?
4: Um, I just want to thank John for being faithful to do what he's being called to do. And um, I thank you for having us on the show.
0: You bet. We're talking with John and Kristen Koch from This Day Ministries. Check them out online, thisdayministries.org, thisdayministries.org. If you want to be inspired, you got to make sure you check them out. And, and go hear him preach one day. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace. It's our mission field. But ultimately, I, I work, work for Him. him.